And if you like uh, cornhole, we've been having cornhole. And uh, if you come, get on Larry's team up right here. He pretty much sinks it every time. So <laughs> you're going to win. All right. Here's my hats. So uh, before we get into the message, I have a verse for offering. It's actually a few verses. It's in uh, Luke 12, 15 through 21. I read this in a book. I mean, I've read this plenty of times, but in a book, in the Bible. Um, But I'm reading another book called Three Mile Per Hour God. And um, the gentleman that wrote the book, uh, he talks about this passage of scripture. And it just really um, has been speaking to me. And it says, um, in Luke 12, it says, And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store out all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul? You have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be in which you have provided? So, he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And uh, as I read that, the question that the gentleman asks is, you know, how do you handle your increase, any increase? Uh, God was not mad at this man for having plenty. In fact, it was God who provided to him. God spoke to him. Um, But his heart was not uh, generous towards God. And so every time you give and you tithe and you give of your offerings, you are having a, uh, being rich towards God and having a generous heart. So I want to encourage you in that. And, um, And also just in your everyday life, when you see somebody in need, when you see uh, a neighbor that needs help with something, when you see somebody who's struggling and, and, or financially struggling uh, or they just need to borrow a, something, a lawnmower, whatever, when you are giving and being generous like God, you know, Jesus came to give. He lived to give. And so if we live to give, doing those things, that's how we, be gen- that's how we are generous and rich towards God. And so I want to encourage all of us to do that every day, keeping rich towards God in everything that you have and um, just trust him and ask yourself each day, how do I handle increase? How am I doing with any increase that the Lord is giving me? I want to be rich towards him. Amen? All right, let's pray for our offering, and I'll pray for the message too today. Father, we thank you so much that you are rich towards us all the time, that you load us daily with your benefits and with your blessings, and we thank you for loving us and giving to us all the time so generously And we set our hearts to also give and be rich towards you. And Lord, help us to always be reminded to do that each day. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts, the tithes, and offerings that were given. We ask you to multiply them and use them for your glory. Lord God, as we continue to build your kingdom and build the church and reach the lost, Lord, we thank you so much. And we also ask you just to bless this time together as we get into your word, that you would speak to our hearts, that we would all have ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord God, hearts that are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. All right, so this message that I'm preaching today uh, is a continuation of one I preached 
I don't know, a month ago? Something like that. We were supposed to do it last uh, two weeks ago. And um, so I'm very excited to hopefully finish this message. We'll see how far we get through all of it today. Um, If I sit down, it's because my calf muscle hurts because I did pull it playing softball, and then I pulled it again, and then I pulled it again because I need to just take a break. Uh, So anyways, I might sit down, but anyway, don't be surprised if I do. So, Um, All right, so transformation. We're talking about transformation, and our key verse has been Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so um, this message is going to be pretty practical, all right? And uh, I would say seems kind of basic in what we're going to talk about. However, putting it to practice is what the challenge is, and doing it every day. So uh, just be aware of that as well. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I made a couple uh, key points. One was that we all want transformation in our life. How many of you want to change for the better in some way right now? Something, yes. And we love transformation shows. We love uh, makeover shows. We love uh, house flipping shows. Who loves house flipping shows? Yeah. We love restaurant flipping shows and, uh, you know, restaurant impossible. We love to see the transformation. And the goal, I said last a couple weeks ago, is to transform like a butterfly and transform permanently. So, you know, a butterfly is a caterpillar, and then it goes into its cocoon, and it just comes out as this butterfly, and it never, it transforms into this beautiful creature, and it never goes back to being a caterpillar. And so... In our life with God, we want to transform and never return back to the old way. Amen? So that's the goal, but a lot of times we don't do that. We wind up being like a transformer who is like, you know, Optimus Prime. He's a robot, but then he turns into a semi-truck. And in our lives, a lot of times we flip-flop back and forth like a transformer can from being a follower of Jesus to acting like the world. And so how do we actually transform permanently? And we talked about the battle in our minds and that um, Paul talks about it in Romans 7, that there's this battle. He says, you know, I, want, I don't do the things I want to do and I do the things that I don't want to do. And he's like, what is the problem? Why is it? And he lays out this battle that there's a battle between um, your flesh and your spirit. And I did an illustration I think I had Paul and Ryan come up, and Paul was my spirit. He stood here, and Ryan came up, and he was my flesh, and I was my mind. The mind is the neutral part. And we talked about how when you accept Christ, your spirit becomes righteous, brand new, new creation. God writes his laws on your heart. You, as a spirit, who you really are, wants to obey God and follow him and do the things that he calls us to do. But our flesh, we still live in this flesh body that is not made brand new, and we still have sinful, natural desires in our body, and we still live in a sinful world that is always trying to grab us and pull us back into it. And so the battle happens in our mind. We have to, Paul says, renew our mind so that way our mind is now with our spirit. So it's two against one. We overcome our flesh. But 
if my mind is fixed on the things of the flesh, now my spirit is losing. And I'm going to continue to operate in that sinful, sinful nature. And so we have to renew our mind and get it transformed. Or renew our mind so that way we can transform and become uh, who God made us to be and walk as that new creation that we are. And so the only way to transform is through re- renewing our minds. And the first step that we kind of talked about was in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. And in this verse, I'll read it to you, this passage, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so we talked about how we literally have to think about the things we are thinking about and pay attention to them. And if they do not line up with God's word and his truth and the things that he says, we need to take them captive and cast them down and replace them with the truth. Right? We need to consciously think about what we are thinking about. And that's not easy. You know, you're going through your day. I'm kind of like very driven. uh, Like, not driven. I'm not very driven. But I am like one focus. Like, if I have a task, it's like I have to do this task and I cannot multitask. And I stop almost thinking about everything. And I just am doing what I'm doing and not even thinking about my thoughts, even though my mind is still flow, like thinking. And so the challenge is learning how to really pay attention to your thoughts and thinking about what you're thinking about. Um, and I, sh- I shared a testimony of how I was healed of asthma and how that process of being healed from asthma really taught me how to begin to take my thoughts captive because as I was going out running without my inhaler and all these different things, um, the thoughts were coming in. You're not healed. You're going to die on the side of the road because you can't breathe. And I was like, no, in Jesus' name, I rebuke these thoughts. I take them captive, and I kept running. And after about three times of running that way, uh, I never had asthma again. And so that is what we want to do. We want to transform. So this week, we're going to take a deeper dive into how to transform. Like, what is the process for transforming? And the word transformed in Romans 12, 2 is a Greek word called, it's pronounced metamorpho. Everybody say metamorpho. Yes, or something close to that. It's where we get the word morph. So morph means to transform, to change for uh, the form or character of, transform, to undergo transformation. So today we're going to do an acronym for the word morph, M-O-R-P-H, and I kind of teased us a little bit and tried to say, See if you guys can figure out what those letters stand for. How many of you have a thought for the letter M? Anybody? No one? Perfect. Okay. So with each of these points, I'm going to just talk about them, and then um, there will be a challenge at the each one, after each one. And so um, take notes, uh, write them down. Um, I'm very excited about this message because it's been really helping me a lot in my life. Um, God transforms us when we don't, we almost don't realize that he's transforming us many times. But in each phase of your life, he's always taking you from this place to this place to another higher level. So transformation never stops. And so he's been really uh, doing some wonderful things in my life regarding this. 
So the first one, M, is meditate. Everybody say meditate. Meditation has uh, many mixed meanings in our day. Oftentimes you think of a person repeating a mantra, sitting, you know, cross-legged with their fingers like this or something, and, um, you know, they're emptying their minds of everything, which doesn't even make sense how you could even do that because you have to be thinking about emptying your mind to empty it, which means you're still thinking. So it doesn't make any sense at all. You know, you think about the humming and yoga and all that different stuff. And um, yeah, biblical meditation is nothing like that. It's the opposite of emptying your mind. It's very different than New Age philosophies. And it is a command that God has given us. We are to meditate. And Joshua 1.8 it's going to be up here on the screen. You can write this down. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This is, Jesus, this is God talking to Joshua. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. So we're commanded by God to meditate in his word. And in Psalm 1, 1 and 3, I love this passage. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. There's a great benefit to obeying the command to meditate in the word of God and in the things that God speaks to you. Uh, so what does the word meditate actually mean? In Hebrew, it means to murmur. How many, how many of you have ever murmured? Okay. Murmured in pleasure or anger. Okay, so it's simply murmuring. Uh, there's other words that go uh, by implication to ponder, imagine, meditate, our word, mourn, mutter, roar, like a lion growling as it eats. So how many of you have ever watched What About Bob? It's not my favorite movie, but there's that scene where he's sitting down eating with his psychiatrist and his family, and he's just like, mmm, 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 mmm. He just keeps mmm, and it's so annoying, and it's driving them crazy. But that's what it is. You know, that's what meditating is. It's that murmuring, that growling over your food, like a lion or like Bob uh, in that movie, it means sore. It means to sore, uh, means sore like I'm angry, sore. Um, speak, study, talk, and utter. So meditation really is a constant thinking on and speaking of something to yourself. Okay, you're, you're going to become the weird person walking around talking to yourself okay, when you meditate according to the way God wants us to meditate. Meditate. The two images to consider, which I found from another person online, uh, he's really got me. Uh, it says, a person who is walking around muttering under their breath as if they cannot stop obsessing over a thought. That's meditation. Uh, the person that came up into my mind was Fred Flintstone. I don't know if some of you might not know who Fred Flintstone is if you're really young, but, you know, he's a cartoon character, and whenever he was angry, what did he do, like, after a bad bowling game or Barney would make him mad, he'd be like, and he'd be making all these weird words. 
you know, they were making him those words because he was actually saying other words, uh, you know. But he was muttering to himself. He was murmuring to himself. He was repeating the anger that he had, right? Well, we need to do that with God's word and with good things and just constantly be talking to ourselves. The second image is the image of a cow chewing its cud. So if you don't know how a cow eats, they basically eat grass, chew it, swallow it, regurgitate it, chew it again, swallow it, regurgitate it, and they do it until the nutrients are fully absorbed into its body. So it's kind of gross when you think about it. But it's not that way with the Word of God, as in gross. You are constantly, though, chewing on the Word of God, talking about it, swallowing it, bringing it back up, chewing on it again, swallowing it, and letting it just penetrate your whole life. It penetrates your thoughts. It penetrates your body physically. Uh, Earlier this year, I was dealing with anxiety and stress, and... I was affecting my breathing, and um, I was just having, like, shortness of breath. And I just felt the Lord say, it's stress. You're, you're worried too much about life right now. And so I would just lay on the floor, like, face down, just surrendering to God, and I would just, um, just start meditating on scriptures of peace and of rest, that God, he is the breath of life. And just, I would breathe him in, and I'd just keep saying it and thinking about it, and pretty soon the shortness of breath would leave. But that's how, you, that's how we have to do things. Uh, with, with anything in our life, healing, continuing to confess, to speak the word, I am the healer of the Lord. I will mount up on wings like eagles. I will run and not grow weary. I will walk and not faint. And you just keep talking to yourself. When you're by yourself, when you're in the bathroom, when you're washing dishes, when you're jogging, when you're in your car, whatever you're doing, that's what it is. Meditating is the practice of muttering, ruminating, continually thinking, chewing the cud on Scripture, It is the most complete form of internalizing God's word. And this is more than just reading chapters or books of the Bible. It's the practice of locating scriptures within their correct context that we memorize, ponder, and speak. It's taking the stories that pertain to circumstances in our life and dissecting them with our minds and hearts and getting every ounce of food that we can to nourish our heart, mind, and body with. The more we talk about something, the more we think about it. The more we talk and think about it, the more we will act on it, and it gets in our heart, and beliefs are formed. So this is so key. If there's one thing you get out of it, meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on God's word. Meditate on his truth. Get them in front of you, and let them change you. This is how transformation happens and starts and states. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so the challenge for this one, for meditating on Scripture, I would ask everybody, is what are you meditating on? Ask yourself that. What are you constantly thinking about? What words come out of your mouth when you're alone? You'll quickly realize and figure out if you're meditating on Scripture or meditating on something else. Meditating on the Word of God, on the things of the Spirit, or something else. Uh, Find those Scriptures that you need 
for that day and season of life and start meditating on them. Find songs that get stuck in your head about, that speak the truth of God's word and keep them in your, in your mouth. Philippians 4, 8, and 9 says, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So, first step to transformation is meditation. Everybody say meditation. All right, next one. Oh, anybody got one? It is own, O-W-N, own. What I mean by own is to make the scripture yours, to make it yours, to know it inside and out, to wear it on your body, to write it on your possessions. That's how serious God was about it. In Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, listen to this. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which, which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So that word bind, I don't know if I have these up here, but uh, the word bind means to tie physically or mentally onto yourself, to gird yourself with them, to conspire with, meaning to confederate or join together with them, to knit together. So it tells us to bind his word as a sign, and it's a physical sign, it's a signal, that word means signal, as a flag, beacon, monument, omen, prodigy, as evidence, as a sign or token, as a mark or miracle. And he says, bind them as frontlets, meaning to go around, to go around or bind a fillet for the forehead. So a lot of us don't know what frontlets are, so I have a little slide for frontlets. We'll see if it pops up. There it is. All right, so here's what it is. Uh, I'll just read this thing. It says, phylacteries called tephilin in Hebrew are worn by observant Jewish men each weekday morning during prayer. A reminder, two small leather boxes contain verses from the first books of the Bible. Boxes are attached to leather straps one tied to the arm, the other placed on the, on the head. It'll be center, kind of before your, between your eyes. Worn as a reminder of God and to follow Jewish law daily, removed at the conclusion of morning prayer services. So God is literally telling the Israelites, you need to actually wear my word on your body. And you can see this Israeli soldier, he's doing that as a devout Jewish man. And he's got the Phylactery right on his forehead and right on his bicep, and the strap goes all the way to his fingertips. 
You can also imagine it being a piece of jewelry, maybe that a woman would wear on her forehead and it would come down into the center of her eyes. But God is calling us to own, wear his word on us in some way, shape, or form, and to write it on our houses. Has anyone heard someone say, if you're going to wear it, own it? Yeah, how many of you have you ever watched, like, uh, you see, like, the fashion shows and the models are walking down and they got these crazy, like, giant costume things, and you're like, who in the world would ever wear that? No one. No one would ever wear that. But, you know, they're walking down the aisle like, it's the greatest thing on earth. It's who, you know, I would demonstrate my, my, my model walk, but you might die of laughter. So I'm not going to do that. But you have to own it. Own the word of God. Make it yours. Wear it. Hold on to it. God goes on to tell us to write it on the doorposts and gates. You know, when you do that, you're saying, this is who I am, this is what I live by, this is who my family serves, this is how we are supposed to handle the word of God, this is how we transform. This, uh, his word becomes our identity. That's what we're talking about, owning it, making it your identity. Revelation 3.12 is very interesting to me, and I love it. It says, uh, this is, Oh, Jesus actually speaking to the churches of Revelation. And he says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall, shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God. So Jesus is talking about his father there. And the name of the city of my God, which will be the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. So when you get to heaven, when Jesus comes back and we're in his new kingdom, he's going to write on you three things, at least three things. You're going to have tattoos, guys, forever and ever and ever and ever. But it's his way of saying, you're mine. You are my son. You are my daughter forever. I am your dad forever. You belong to me. How wonderful when I think about belonging to God and being owned by him in that way, that I am like one with him now. And so my challenge then is have you taken ownership of the word? Have you made it yours? How are you making it yours? Meditation is the first step, but this next step is important. Um, so my suggestions, some suggestion, suggestions I have for this challenge are, you know, Buy the clothes that have the scriptures on them. Buy the hats. Listen, I got two hats here. This one says Yahweh. I wear this one. It reminds me that I belong to God. It's like the precursor to it being written on me one day in the kingdom. I have this one. It says and sons. So this was actually a, a ministry, a podcast that I listened to. They're no longer a podcast right now. Um, it's uh, John Eldridge's son, one of my favorite authors. He has three sons. Two of them did this podcast, and they, were, they called themselves the And Sons Podcast. And um, it is a play on words. They are the sons of John Eldridge, so John Eldridge and Sons. But it's also, they're focused on leading men into walking out their God-given calling, their identity, learning who they are as men, walking in God's masculinity for them, and learning how to be sons of God. And so when I wear this, it reminds me, you know, I'm a son of God. And so whatever you have to do, 
get the jewelry. I'm not going to say go get tattoos, but if you like tattoos, and it's one of the things that you feel good about, get a, get a tattoo. I had a friend that had this amazing tattoo of a, uh, um, the armor of God on his, and the verse and everything. It reminded him, uh, write it on the walls of your house, all right, at your doorways. Um, I made a chalkboard wall in my room. I think I've talked about this before, and I write verses on it, a giant wall. You know, everyone, write verses on your sticky notes. Uh, Grace Ackerman, she makes these little graphics. This one says, abide in me and I in you. If he said it, he's going to do it. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Put these things, perfect love casts out fear. You know, if you need graphics made, talk to her. But you can get these and put them up on your walls. Put them up on your mirrors. Buy a beautiful picture and put it on your wall. Whatever you have to do to own God's word, get it on yourself, get it on your house, get it in your car. This is a way that transformation will be able to take place and it reinforces the meditation of God's scripture. All right, number three. Remember. R is remember. It's very easy, easy for us to forget things. I mean, we can't play a game of telephone with 20 people and get a simple phrase like, I like hamburgers, to the end, and it'd be like, cars are blue. You know, you're like, how did we forget what we said in just a matter of 20 people? Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 12 God says this, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you, or Moses said this, brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, when you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. We are forgetful people, and God talked to his people all the time about remembering. Don't forget. We are, we are forgetful, and so we have to really focus on taking the time each day to remember. Remembering what God has done in Scripture and in our lives keeps transformation in motion. It's key to meditation as it is replaying and chewing the cud. Remembering is the regurgitation part of chewing the cud. It's bringing it back up and remembering. Exodus 3, I'm sorry, Exodus 13, verse 3, says, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. 8 through 10. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. It shall be a sign to you, again, remembering actually becomes a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep his ordinance in its season from year to year. Exodus 20, verse 8, one of the Ten Commandments says, Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. You know, why does God tell us to remember it? Because we'll forget and we won't keep it holy. This is probably one I really need to work on. I think we're going to talk about this one day with the, uh, the things of abstinence, uh, fasting, and Sabbath. But he, we, we need to remember to keep it holy. 
You need to remember the Sabbath and to take a rest. Psalm 119.52 says, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Remembering what God has done brings us comfort and peace. It's all part of renewing our minds. On the flip side, when we don't remember, when we forget, which God is so merciful and so compassionate. This passage I'm going to read from Jeremiah 18, you know, when he says this, they've gone about, I don't know, 400-something years of just continually forgetting God and not turning to him. But he says this, because, uh, verse 15 through 17, Jeremiah 18, because my people have forgotten me, they have burned incense to vanity, and they have caused them to stumble in their ways from the ancient paths, to walk in paths in a way not cast up, to make their land desolate in a perpetual hissing. Everyone that passes thereby will be astonished and wag his head. I will scatter them as with an east wind before the enemy. I will show them my back and not face in the day of their calamity. God had had enough with Israel at that point and said, listen, your sins have reached to a point you're not willing to turn to me. And so the things I told you at the beginning, when you disobey, these curses will come upon you. They finally came. But forgetting, when we forget God, it does lead to disaster and calamity in our life if we let it go long enough. And so the challenge then, I would ask the questions, have you forgotten God's word, his promises? Ask yourself that. And the signs, uh, and some signs that you may have forgotten him are this. You isolate yourself. You live your life by yourself. Okay? Finding yourself in a regular state of fear, worry, anxiety, or stress. Remember, I said these may be uh, signs that you have forgotten. Uh, you no longer think about God. Your relationship with God is no longer a relationship but a checkbox. Scripture is the last thing on your mind. Complaining and unthankfulness are steady state in your life. I worked with a number of guys that, in the manufacturing business that complaining was their life. It was not awesome. <laughs> Um, complaining and unthankfulness are steady state in your life. If that's happening, I would say that is a sign that you have forgotten God or that we have forgotten God because I'm preaching to myself in this whole thing here. Uh, your life has fallen into a state of utter, utter calamity with hopelessness. You know, if you're at that point, uh, it may be that you have forgotten God. And if you have, if you say, yeah, these things are happening and I, I think I have forgotten God, we need to stop right there and just take a moment and remember Jesus. Just start remembering. In Revelation 2, uh, 4 and 5, uh, Jesus is talking to the church in Ephesus and they're doing everything right except for this one thing. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember so they have forgotten. And he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. The, the key to overcoming forgetfulness is to remember. <laughs> Isaiah 64, verse 5, it says, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness who remembers you in your ways. When we start remembering him, everything will change. It will, everything will change. The moment we begin to remember the Lord and his word, 
in the ways and works of old and the things he's done in our lives is the moment we'll realize that he never left us. He's always standing right there behind us waiting for us to turn around and let him save us. So we need to remember. We need to meditate on God's word. We need to own it, make it ours, and we need to remember it every single day. All right, the letter P. Anybody? You got it. Practice. We need to practice the word of God. This is all part of renewing our minds. I think we've all heard it said, practice makes perfect. How many have heard that? It's not true. I heard this, and I love it. It says, perfect practice makes perfect. We have to practice the perfect way. So I can practice the wrong way to throw a baseball all day and become professionally awful at pitching, right? (laughs) It's only by practicing the perfect way that one becomes perfect. Because as you practice the perfect way, the perfect way perfects you. God doesn't, he's not calling us to be perfect. He's calling us, practice the perfect way, the perfect way will perfect you. And then when you miss it, we go to 1 John 1, 9, and we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we have to practice the perfect way. James 1, 22 and 20 through 25, write this, or make that note. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. When we don't practice the word of God, we'll forget it. We'll forget who we are. We'll forget who God is. Practice stops us from forgetting. It keeps our minds renewed when we practice. Otherwise, we'll go back to the old ways of thinking. And it's like any skill. If we don't practice, we won't get better at it. You know, if I don't practice at loving people, I won't get better at it. And that skill will diminish, right? And I'll just be rude to people. So we need to practice loving people. You know, I uh, saw a person on the, on the side of a road by uh, the uh, Walmart off on Peach Street, and there was a girl standing there with a guitar and a dog and, you know, traveling, no food, hungry, you know, and had a tip jar and all that. And then I saw another guy walking down the road, and they were getting ready to switch out. And I was like... I don't know if I want to give to these people. They might be scamming us, you know? Because there's always that thought. Should I give to this person? And uh, it's funny. I went to Walmart. And I was thinking about it. And uh, I came back out. And I was like, God, should I give to these people? And he's like, everybody's got to make a living somehow. And I was like, that's a different way to look at someone on the side of the road being homeless. Like, that's how they've chosen to make their living. Okay. I don't really know who they are. I don't know if they're angels in disguise. Like the Bible tells us, I don't know if they're going to use the money for something else, but I stopped and I just gave them some cash because I had some in my wallet because uh, I just felt like I need to be obedient and practice the word of God no matter what because it's my heart 
of being generous towards God, like we just talked about earlier, uh, or, you know, not being generous towards God and, you know, missing an opportunity. I'm not saying you'd have to give to everybody on the side of the road. That was just me in that moment. God speaking to me. But we need to practice it. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 2. Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments in which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. So practicing the word of God is to obey the word of God, and that will produce blessing and life change in our lives. And it's interesting because practicing is a reinforcement of remembering, of owning, of meditating on God's word. Practicing is literally transformation in motion. If you are practicing God's word, you are literally transforming in that moment. Transformation is happening in real time. It's like uh, muscles of a bodybuilder. Who's a bodybuilder here? Anybody likes to lift weights? Get ripped? Yes. Okay. So, you know, bodybuilders, they spend a lot of time pumping the iron, and muscles don't grow fast. It takes time. And, um, and it's the same way with practicing God's word. You know, it takes time. It takes time. Don't expect yourself to be perfect in the first week. You know, it's, a, it's like bodybuilding. It's, you keep working it out. You keep lifting the weights. You keep practicing and letting your, your body, your muscles eventually get bigger and stronger, and you also will do that spiritually. So the challenge, what are the things you practice in life? What are you putting time and effort to in your life? Are you practicing the perfect way or something that looks like the perfect way? Because Paul talks about it in 2 Timothy. I'm not going to read this whole passage of 2 Timothy. It's a verse, chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. But he basically lists, you know, uh, in the last days, there's going to be perilous times, and men, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasting, and all these wicked things. And then in verse 5, he says, having a form of godliness, godliness, but denying its power from such turn away. And so, you know, if we are not practicing the perfect way, we're actually acting like this passage here of having a form of godliness and denying its power. And I don't want to be that person. I want to practice the perfect way and let it perfect me. And the amazing thing is that as you practice the scriptures, um, about practicing the, script, practicing the scriptures, is that you are meditating, owning, and remembering God's word. Like when you meditate, when you own, when you uh, remember God's word, you are actually also practicing. So you're doing all those things. So we need to practice it. All right, last one, H. Who's got it? No? It's Harold. Harold, please come in. <laughs> Just kidding. It's a different Harold. It's like Hark the Herald Angel Sing. H-E-R-A-L-D. Uh, I thought I was going to get some people to turn around and I can say major look, but nobody turned around. You guys are on it. So I'm talking about declaring, pro proclaiming, and testifying of the transformation the Lord is doing in your life. This is something that we have to do. And it is so key to your transformation process. I listed the first thing, meditation, as, as the uh, 
first thing that you do. However, this one could also be the first thing that you do. Um, the story of the demon-possessed man in Mark 5. Jesus shows up on the shores of the Gadareans, and um, there's a demon-possessed man, and he's just filled with demons, and he comes and falls at Jesus' feet, and you learn that he has so many demons, they call themselves legion, and they ask him, you know, don't cast us out into the wilderness, but send us into the pigs. And so Jesus casts them into the pigs, and all the pigs run over the side of the cliff, and they die. The man is completely 100% healed and transformed and asks Jesus if he can go with him. And this is Jesus' reply in Mark 5, 18 through 20. And when he got into the boat, he who had the demon possessed begged him that he might go with him or be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. The man was completely transformed by a moment, and Jesus tells him, go tell somebody. Uh, it's the first thing, really, that we need to do when you're transformed, is to tell someone. It's the solidification of the miracle transformation that just happened. It's a testimony to the truth that there is a good God, and it is a hope bringer for those in darkness. We're commanded, Jesus said in Mark 16, 14, and 15. Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach. Herald the gospel to every creature. Revelations 12, 11, uh, 10, sorry, Revelation 12, 10 through 11. I'll just read 12, uh, 11. It says, and they overcame him Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Their testimony and proclamation is what overcame the enemy. It is powerful. And they did not love their lives to the death. So our testimony is how we overcome the enemy. Our testimony encompasses the first four steps of meditating, owning, remembering, and practicing God's word. And we are commanded to do it. It lets people know it's firmly settled in you. And so the challenge, are you telling people about what Jesus has done in your life? Are you proclaiming it? Are you sharing it with somebody about how he has transformed your life, how he has set you free, healed you, did something in your family, whatever it may be? People need the hope. I'd be at work and, you know, I'd ask somebody how they're doing and what's going on in their life, and they would talk to me. And if you ask that question first, by nature, you also get to respond because they'll say, how are you doing, generally speaking, if they like talking, I guess. And then I get to share how things are going. And I would say, you know, man, God is good. You know, he helped me in the, kind of the same situation you're in. I went through that like a year ago, and it was awful. And so I can totally identify with you. But God really set me free and share the testimony. So in conclusion today, we have a few minutes, if you don't mind. I want to have two people come up and just share a quick, like, three to five minute little testimony of how God has transformed their lives in a simple way. So first person I'll call is Jane. She said she would be willing to do it. So I'm going to have her come up. Uh, we'll need the microphone. Yeah. Give Jane a round of applause. How many love Jane? She serves us so well. 
She sends out all the wonderful cards to people. Takes care of us. So, the Holy Spirit working in our lives and transforming us. Um, for one, Christ came to this earth to love us and to care for us. He paid for our sins, and then when he left, he left the Holy Spirit to us to guide us and to love on us, to direct us. And so my experience, one of my experiences with the Holy Spirit changing me, I spent half of my career as a critical care nurse. And I don't know if any of you have had experience with critical care nurses, but they can tend to have a whole language all of their own. And in other words, I could probably turn the air blue in a heartbeat if you catch my drift. Um, and as you're trying to share your love of Christ and your testimony with somebody, and then five minutes later you walk out into the unit and you have a whole different language when you're dealing with your coworkers or maybe with a physician or whatever the case may be. It sends a mixed message. And so you don't really tend to have a good message to share. So throughout the years of being a Christian, it's, Lord, I can't do this. You, I can't do this on my own. I can't stop swearing. So this was just a process that the Lord and I worked on, and finally I said, God, you've got to do it for me. I can't do this. And it was just one of those things that he said, Honey, you've got to hand it to me and quit taking it back. And, and it, it did. It was an experience that I um, had in Poland is when it happened. I was on a mission trip in Poland. And it just was one of those. And again, it was just one of those experiences that I handed it to him, and I knew I needed to change my presentation. Just like Pastor Andy had said, we have to watch what our words, how we say, what we say to people. Our words mean a lot, a lot to you, a lot to what we speak to ourselves. And we can believe in our hearts a whole different a message. We have the right message in our hearts, but if we don't present that message in the right manner, it doesn't matter. So it was just... It was just a process, but the Lord, you know, just kept working on me and working on me. And, you know, we fall down at times, and we just get back up, and the Lord says, come on, just give me your hand again. And it's just, you know, sometimes like Pastor Andy or Pastor Jason has said, it's just a process. Sometimes you fall down, and you just got to get back up. But the Lord gives you the chance to get back up time after time. Amen. Awesome. And we can give it to Ryan here. Thank you, Jane. How many have ever struggled with something like that as well? <laughs> yeah. It's, sure, you can come up here. Yeah, feel free. Oh, this is cool. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Um, just wanted to just give a round of applause to the Lord for that Roe Ro versus Wade uh, reversal, which is amazing. Yeah. So if we give him a round of applause for that. Um, 
It's cool when Pastor Randy asked me to come up here. Um, this is something that's absolutely amazing is how you get your, your mind renewed. Um, the very first thing was just you basically have to renounce the world's ways. It says it in the word of God to renounce the ways of the world, how to be a father, how to be a husband, how to be a brother, how to be a, uh, a son, and the whole nine, nine yards. Because the way that uh, seems right to a man is very easy to follow along with. It says in Proverbs, I think, is it 1821? And he said something like that. It's very easy to follow the world's ways and uh, things like that. Even when it comes to marriage, it says that um, the world's ways, you can look at another woman, but you can't touch, right? But uh, God says, or Jesus says, if you look at another woman with lustful intent, you committed adultery. Mm. So, I mean, that actually, like, pierced me to the gut and, like, to the heart as soon as I did that because I did that about a gazillion times in my my whole entire life because I grew up with that. Um, I grew up with, you know, that about pe- people pleasing. I grew up with uh, fear of man, which was huge. Um, I respected people much more that have money, riches, fame, wealth, uh, that could help Ryan out a lot versus uh, other pe- people like, you know, just, just us. Um, so as soon as I got into the fear of man scriptures, even coming up trying to talk to Pat, Pastor Randy or uh, Pat, Pastor Jason or Liz when the Holy Spirit gives me a word, and sometimes when you start off in the beginning, like the fear will try to try to grab, grab you and grip, grip you. But you just have to quote the word of God. So whatever area that, that you're struggling with, you just keep marinating on that over and over again. Just like Pastor Andy said, like, we sound weird and nuts. Like, you know, my family hears me talking underneath my, my breath a lot and all the time. But they probably got me used to doing that. But um, there are certain areas of life, like if you struggle with self-centeredness, like all of us, um, you go over those scriptures. If you start struggle with complaining, you just go over the complaining scriptures. And as soon as you speak them out loud, like the word of God doesn't ever return void. It always accomplishes what, what it pleases. So then you get experiential knowledge, and then you, you get it coming to pass in, in your life. So let's say that I want all the attention, the praise, like there's scriptures like, let, let another praise me, not, not my own mouth, the stranger, and not my, my own lips. I always grew up with pray, praising yourself, wanting everybody to pray, praise me. It's all about Ryan kind of stuff, you know. Uh, so it's very different as soon as you get into the Word. Um, if you come across a verse like, love one another as I have loved you, that's tough because there's some people that are just a pain in the butt. Um, <laughs> there's a lot, you know. So that's why, like, I replaced that person who I'm really struggling with, and the Lord has done a huge work, you know. And I just like to say it, I personalize every scripture to me to put Ryan and the other person's name in there. And then all of a sudden, over the course of like three to five months, you'll see that you actually care about this person. You can actually speak in that per- person's life. And they change and transform. You can actually see the good in the person instead of like the bad. And so you, you start seeing not from Satan's way or like the flesh way, but you start seeing it from God's way, which is powerful. So somebody that struggled with like intimidation, self-righteousness, self, right, uh, doubt, fear, guilt, shame, condemnation, all I did was dive into the Word and those appropriate scriptures, and I keep going over them, I keep going over them, I keep going over them. That's why, I like, you know, this book, the Promises book, and all those things that these guys and women hand out, like those things, like the uh, mirror of God's Word. Uh, if you go over the New Testament, one another, it's a mirror of God's Word. Like, I, I, I do this a lot, and it takes, like, five minutes. But when you speak them out loud, this will become a reality in, in your life. So that this man inside here gets changed and you get transformed and becomes a reality on the outside. And it's, uh, it's very big. It's very important. Like, the, this is two nine ninety nine God's Promises book. This is probably worth, in the spirit realm, about a billion dollars. Like a billion. 
So if you see like gold and jewelry, that's nothing compared to this thing because th this will save, save like your life. It will save the, the situation that you're in. It will save everything. So this is like how important this is. But this is stuff that I constantly keep going over. And if you do need help and you struggle in areas, just ask the pastors, ask anybody that knows the Lord. And like the, like the verses are so easy to, to come to you as the Holy Spirit. And then like you start to, to challenge and, and uh, change and transform yourself. And then about three or four or four months, you don't even realize what you just went through. And then the person who gets all the glory is, is the Lord, which is what, what we want. Because it's very tough in the beginning when, when we want to give God, God the glory, but the flesh and I grew up with like Ryan wanting the glory. So it's very tough, you know, um, especially like if you're an athlete and, uh, you know, and that, that kind of stuff where you just want, you know, your name in the newspaper to shine all the time and things like that. And that, that's where we kind of grew up in, in, in our family, like a little bit, you know, but then all of a sudden when you go over the word, word of God, it like sniffs that thing out and you have to face your, yourself, which is the toughest thing to do. But he breaks that from you and then he shapes you and he changes you each, each day. And it's very powerful. Amen. So thank you. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll say this, you know, Jane, I know that you were transformed because I never knew that about you, right? And I would never have guessed. But the Lord did a miracle. Like, he has transformed you. Same with Ryan. And, uh, you know, I'll, te I'll text Ryan, you know, how are you doing this week? He'll, how are you doing this week? And I'll say, you know, I'm struggling with this or that. And then he'll just text me, like, this super long text with, like, a bunch of verses. I'm like, Wow, or he'll take a picture of like a, the verses in his car. Like when he, what he's saying, he does. You know, he meditates on this. He makes it his own. And so, you know, I need to do even a better job at that. I want to keep doing a better job at it. And so I want to challenge you and encourage all of you. Transformation, permanent transformation in God is real. The things that you're struggling with, he will help you overcome them and deliver you from them. And you can live a life of godliness, of freedom, of joy, of health, of uh, just walking, you know, with him in peace and comfort. And so, yeah, renew your minds in him, meditate in him. And so we'll pray here and uh, we'll close out. Thank you guys for giving me, you know, 50 minutes here to talk. I know it's a long message, but I really wanted you guys to get it all in today. So, Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. And we thank you for dying for us and rising from the dead so you could go to the Father and send us the Holy Spirit and set us free and make us new in you. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us more than we know. You know all the areas that we need to change in, where we need to transform, and exactly how to do it. So, Father, we just take this moment and we surrender our hearts to you. And we just ask you, help us to transform Reveal to the areas in our life, if we don't see them now, that we would need to work on. Lord, and just help us to remember your word, to meditate on it, to own it, to remember it, to practice it, and to herald it. To let it transform us. Send us to the right people that can encourage us in the transformation process, and that we can encourage in the transformation process in your, in your word. Lord, we thank you that you have so many wonderful things for us, that you always have something better for us, Lord God, and that we can do this with you. So we commit our hearts to that. And if there's anybody here, keep your eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus, 
Jesus came because we were separated from God and he died for our sins. The wages of sin is death, God said. There is a God. He created us to be with him and to know him. We're separated from him. And he made a way for us to be forgiven of all of our sins and to have eternal life, true, abundant life. If you have never accepted Jesus into your heart, I just want to ask you to raise your hand and we'll all pray today. Or you can come up and see me afterwards here and I'll pray with you and guide you in that process. All right, Father, we praise you and we thank you. We give you all the glory. We ask you to bless the rest of this day. Lead us and guide us. Keep us safe. And we just give you all the praise and glory. We want you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, love you. Can't wait to see you guys at Friday nights this Friday and then on Sunday.